Hello and welcome to the B2B podcast, the best place to collect killer ideas for big business. And today we have got a beast in the building. He is an elite business consultant, investor, and entrepreneur with a focus on executive coaching and results-based systems. Currently the managing partner of Mind Racer Consulting, where he has helped over 300 CEOs amplify their revenue and profits. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Dan Morris. Hey Travis, how are you doing? Great to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your time, your talent, your expertise with us here today. Super, super grateful. And on that note, would love to start with where are you tuning in from and what are you most grateful for right now? New York City. I'm happy and grateful. It's a sunny day outside. I got a chance to go outside for a little bit first today before I started my hectic day of Zoom meeting. So that's Keep it simple. That was a beautiful way to start the day. Easy, easy breezy. Thank you so much. I appreciate you sharing your time. And you have a fascinating story from what I can tell from my LinkedIn stalking and digital adventures online. And I would love to start tapping into that. Um, you really have a unique angle to do business and coaching and consulting um, to really tap into. So let's set the stage of your story, your career. What do you consider the biggest win, most exciting win or milestone project or something you're really proud of um, that you can share with us today? Oh, there's, there's, uh, I've been lucky to be involved in a lot of really interesting projects over time. And I think the milestone for me is, well, I helped a group of people get a company to number 61 on the Inc. 500, which was 4,000% growth in three years. Um, I was as, as a career professional, I was a VP of sales and, and helped them achieve that growth. And so that's been a bit of a benchmark for me ever since. And uh, it's a very high bar. And so uh, trying to help people with big aspirations is what we do every day. And having done it uh, and then spun another company out of that and grew that very, very quickly afterwards, but still didn't feel as fast. Um, that's definitely been something that sticks with me. Wow. Well, there you go. If you want to be a top performer, set the bar at 4,000% growth. <laughs> uh, amazing, amazing to hear that. Um, it's just yeah, uh, an, an epic journey to even just see those numbers, those type of results um, really speak for itself in this context. But I'm betting that was not always the case. So let's explore perhaps the other side of the spectrum. Do you have an epic failure or perhaps something a little less glorious um, in your career, or in your, this um, business building adventures of yours so far? Do you have an epic failure to share? Uh, and what lessons can we extract from that? I mean, I think somebody who's come up their sales career is, has to take a series of bets as they go through their career. And uh, I came up in the agency world, digital agency, content marketing agency, and I was determined to get into technology. So when I moved to New York City, I had a lot of experience, fast-growing companies, and I thought I had this real Midas touch, like anything I touched would be really good. And, you know, I hadn't been disproven because I got lucky several times in a row. 
So I, I came to New York City and uh, I had what I thought was a great resume. And uh, I went out and networked and, and ended up joining a tech company. And the tech company uh, were full of great people, um, but they wanted to try and make a sofa move from one side of Manhattan to the other using an app. And uh, so I went into there with my eyes all bright and shiny, thinking this is brilliant. We're going to be a multi-billion dollar company in five minutes. And um, that that company never really got out the starter's gates. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm proud of the work that I was able to do within it, but I didn't ask enough questions about the early stage of the company, whether they actually had a product, whether it was actually saleable to anybody I could sell it to. Uh, and so I learned a lot in that. I would consider that to be a, a, a false start, not necessarily an epic failure, but, uh, you know, I, I spent six months in that company and, you know, made as much of an impact as I could and then decided to, to get out and go and rebuild another software company instead. Uh, so very interesting, but I think you're going up the career ladder, you've really got to place your bets carefully. And if you're a founder, you know, you really got to communicate well to people who are joining your team and make sure that they are not like disappointed by the lack of product when they actually come in to uh, deliver sales for that product. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. No, and you bring up a, a really crucial touch point, especially post-success, like post-acquisition, after a good company, good gig, um, and you're kind of riding high on that wave. The next thing you jump into, because I've been guilty of it too, you just think you're going to have that golden touch. So I'm I'm grateful to hear um, that that transition often is humbling to kind of keep that top of mind for folks that recognize, be grateful, understand the data, the reasons, the story. Why did this succeed? Why did this win? Not just, <laughs> oh, yes, here we go, because uh, I've been very guilty of that. Um, and then you don't really look at the right things. Like you're saying, you, you would have asked different questions. You would have had a different starting point um and bringing up that shifting the lens that it's perhaps not an epic failure everything we do here is just building blocks another lesson another thing now on to the next chapter you got a pretty good idea of perhaps what not to do <laughs> in those lanes um so love love hearing that appreciate you sharing it um another thing i'm curious about that we explore a lot here is the concept of opening the door and earning attention and building these relationships. So I would love to hear what is the wildest way you have ever seen somebody earn your attention or business or, or open the door for, for a deal. Um, this could be towards you or something you've seen somebody else do. Um, but would love to hear what is the most craziest or most innovative thing you've seen in your journey. I'll tell you something that I tried to do once. Uh, and so, uh, one time I was, uh, looking to try and get into a consulting engagement with a SaaS company here in New York city. And, uh, I knew that the, the CEO had an office in the empire state building and I knew that I was down in the, in the financial district. And, uh, it's a few years ago. Uh, I didn't have much of a reputation back then as a consultant and I was trying to get this person's attention. And so what I decided to do was actually send them a packet, which was basically an introductory packet using a courier. Um, and so what I did, I got Uber bike uh, and I put this packet together and I personally signed it and I sent this Uber bike and I watched Uber bike cycle all the way up Manhattan from the financial district to the Empire State Building. And I parked the bike up, stopped moving. And then I figured this is how long it's going to take to be in the elevator. And you know, I figured, right, he's on the X number of floors. So this is how long I think it's going to take. 
And just as I thought that person was going to be walking in, I called reception. Um, and I wanted to just basically try and distract the person at the front desk so that the courier would go straight through to the CEO. Um, and so I'm like, right, okay, I'm talking to the person at reception and I, I literally heard the door being and others say, so yeah, yeah, just through there. And I'm like, bonus, just keeping this person talking. Uh, and then that I know that the document went through to that person's office. Uh, and so like I called back a few minutes later and asked to speak to that person. And I found out that that person was out for the day. <laughs> and i was like um, i've almost nailed this way of getting through to the person's desk that i was trying to get onto and you know you can tell so it was a, a time a strategy for a different time when you knew that people were going to be in the office and you knew that that was a thing but that was that was the uh, one of the most out there things that i think i've done to try and get somebody's attention and ultimately did not get that person's attention by the way uh but you know it worth a try uh, and i just i'm quite happy to own that as, as that it was an experiment oh my goodness no i'm envisioning that epic epic journey they finally get there they arrive there <laughs> the heist is complete and the vault is empty he's out yeah. today he's out yes. he's out today <laughs> so if anyone's planning to try that you might want to call in advance and see that that person's actually in the office today or something like that uh that's that was the hole in that plan oh my gosh love it love it that's an amazing amazing story and clearly you've gotten uh significantly better at opening those doors <laughs> and building those relationships um because from what i can see from afar um you've really just taken things to another level and a lot of the numbers and results speak for itself so that's where we're heading next i want to steal your secret sauce here and share it um with our listener here today because uh, clearly you're doing something right over there so the first portion will kind of tap into your personal side would love to explore in your day-to-day -day approach and routine what habit or task is non-negotiable for you just has to happen habit or task is is always about communication for me um i'm not in client projects as much anymore i built a team around me it's making sure that the team has got alignment in terms of what they're delivering for the client make sure that the client's got a really clear plan about what we're going to be doing for them, make sure that all the expectations are managed and that we've got the right talent available to do the job at the right time. That's it. That's got to be a non-negotiable for me. Outside of that, it's communication with our partners. Uh, you know, we're, as a professional services business, we've got a lot of different referral and integration partners that we collaborate with all the time. Uh, and making sure that I'm in touch with at least a couple of those a day is something that is really, really high priority for me to maintain that currency of here's what we're working on what are you working on how can we stay ahead of trends like ai coming into our business and that sort of stuff uh, and it's really interesting and exciting because they're all super smart and interesting people uh, but that's that's an absolute non-negotiable for me to stay uh, engaged and current with all the people around me what uh what is your approach or or method for i guess uh jumping into that communication from I guess one end of the spectrum would be open-ended like Slack channels. And then the other end would be like siloed one-on-ones with like every individual. Where do you land in kind of managing and distributing that communication energy and effort? Yeah. So t in the internal team is usually through Slack, uh, making sure that they're all up to date. We've got a series of touch bases and internal meetings that happen every week. They're just on the calendar. 
Uh, with certain partners, we've got recurring meetings that happen every couple of weeks or every month, whatever that might be. And then, of course, there's that, that sort of, so that fills the weeks up. Um, and then there's certain events that people, I see people at. Uh, you know, they might be at a certain networking event. They might be at a certain social event, whatever that will be. And making sure that I'm there when they are uh, is, is a part of the ongoing. It, it, once you've got this thing, you need to maintain it. Right, like you can't do business development once and expect your business to grow. Like you've got to be consistently in those rooms and in those conversations. And if you want to grow your business, you've got to bring people into that room with you and introduce them to the other people as well. Because otherwise, your business has just got a really heavy one one person at the head. You can never sell that business. You can never get out of that business if you want to. Even if you like the relationships, the business can't live without that one person, which is really risky. So you're trying to make sure that other people are in those rooms with you is the is the next stage of that communication. Um, so I'm working on sort of a couple of years uh, plan at a time now and making sure people are alongside us and, and knowing the people that we do business with regularly. Love that. No, and I think it speaks, it definitely speaks volumes um, for playing the long game uh, of having that sort of waterfall effect of credibility, of rapport, of familiarity, um, so that when you do, yeah, it's just a succession or a, an acquisition. Um, it doesn't feel so bizarre and foreign of like, who's this Who's this guy on my account now? <laughs> like, oh my God. Um, I love that you have the foresight to start that because that's not something, even if you wanted to and you wanted to throw all of the eggs at that basket, all of the edge, like it's something you have to build over time. And that oh. or that affinity with the clients, all of those little details um, really add up. So that's a brilliant thing to mention that I didn't expect where, where that was going with uh, communication. But you did start mentioning tools and apps and everything in your your process. So I would love to hear what is your favorite tool? in your tech stack oh our favorite tool is hubspot oh nice <laughs> you know it, it, the crm has to be the heart of any business really and so that's got to be my favorite tool because it lets me see what our what our many many faceted relationships are doing uh it lets me see roi in our marketing campaigns it lets me see what our forecast of the amount of work we're going to be doing in the next couple of quarters looks like and even beyond that um, and that, that enables me to see investments that I'm making with the marketing team and the business development team are actually coming to fruition. And of course, that's what we consult our clients on most of the time as well, right? It's like, how do they actually solve problems around growth? And if they don't have really good reports and dashboards and they're monitoring the right numbers, then they're not going to be making informed decisions. And so that's really why at AECRM, ours is HubSpot. We also like Zoho and Salesforce generally. Uh, there's many others that are also good, but they're the ones with the we're in most often. Wow. No, I love hearing that. I'm going to dig one level deeper now that we're getting nerdy. <laughs> what is your favorite dashboard or kpi my favorite kpi is whether our clients are getting the results that they said they wanted when they signed the contract oh a yes no a binary there we go that one's easy to measure <laughs> yeah, yeah it is and it, it, it is it, it is the north star that gets forgotten so often and you know everything below or around that in our business means very little right 
we can talk about cost of acquisition. We can talk about lifetime value. We can talk about gross profit, EBITDA, all those things that are important. And we know those numbers. But if the client's not getting the results that they want, then we knew, we know we need to be doing something about it. And that's the the mindset that we have. And that's what's really important to me. Outside of that, I run a very tight ship in terms of, you know, how we actually, where the cash flows and how it goes. I get it. But if you ask me for number one, that's our number one. Mm, simple simplicity wins. Um, like you mentioned, that North Star is often the missing piece of a lot of companies or even individuals that feel that ambiguity of of direction and everything. When you have that vivid North Star, you're locked in, keep it moving, keep it growing. Uh, and it's a perfect transition into really your approach and your process is really starting to shine here. So that's the last piece I'd love to start exploring and perhaps sharing here um, in the most actionable way we can. Uh, yeah. You share... For a business owner that is ready to commit, they're recognizing they're hitting kind of a, a plateau in revenue and or a growth target stage. They're incentivized to start this journey. Can you share your guys' specific approach and strategy and process on, on at least a macro level of what do we need to come into that conversation ready with? Um, and then where, where does that, what are like the necessary next steps to take for that, those results to finally be baked into that company? Uh, yes. How long have you got? Man, so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, about 15 minutes or so, but, uh, judging by your hourly rate, we can crank that as long as you would like. <laughs> so, um. We've simplified this as much as we can. The danger that a founder finds themselves in at this time is the shiny ob object syndrome of just buying tactics. Buying tactics like cold email, buying tactics like cold LinkedIn outreach, buying tactics like having an offshore call center do stuff for you or starting to run ads or all of the other hundreds of things that you could just do as a tactic. We've gone into businesses that were doing a SaaS company, nine years old. This company ended up building its own services company to implement its software, but their investors didn't want the services company because the multiple was wrong. So they sold the services company and the SaaS company was left with $250,000 of annual recurring revenue after nine years in business. Now, what had that founder and the team done? Well, actually, the founder had departed and they'd hired in a hired gun CEO who was very aware that there was a problem, but they weren't sure what the problem was. So what they did was brought us in to get our recommendations about what to do. Now, when somebody comes in and asks us for our recommendations, we go through the same process every single time. And the important thing to recognize is that when you're a human, you forget things. And when you're a human, you get into habits and you forget that you've got into habits and you don't look at yourself objectively. And so that's one of the big things that founders really are better off if they're self-aware, that they're not looking at things objectively, like from the outside. So in getting to what to do, we asked the founders to give us details. Let, let's say that they're a, a services company. Yeah, we would want to know details about their client referral program. 
We'd want to know what their thought leadership content looks like. We'd want to understand what their recent speaking engagements were. We'd want to see their recent client outputs where they'd solved a specific problem and could use that as an example. Uh, the most referenceable customer list, the example project plans for recent engagements, that sort of a thing, right? Now, if it was for a SaaS company, that would look different. Uh, you know, we would ask them for a template for their pre-meeting research, sales slide decks and collateral currently in use, scripts or talking points that they use, links to product or explainer or demo videos, sale demo follow-up examples, lots of stuff. There's about 40 things on that checklist. And what we do is we run an assessment that grades every one of those things, A through E. E, it doesn't exist. A is the best we've seen and it meets all of the criteria. It has all of the features in it that a leading thing has. And just getting that clarity before you spend any money on a sales team or growing further or doing more, getting your foundations right and having recommendations about what to do to get your foundations right is where we always start. Because if it's my money and I'm spending money on marketing or I'm spending money on sales and I have not got the collateral and the process right, I know I'm not going to get in the same return on investment. So my priorities are wrong. And so this is what we do. We, we get to the recommendations clear, objective, measured. They come with recommendations. That's stage one. Love it. Love it. This is getting nerdy. I'm loving it. But it's I see the direct correlations to um, a lot of personal growth the exact same way. It starts with vivid, ruthless self-awareness and being able to answer those questions. And maybe those dashboards aren't as pretty as you'd, as you'd like them to be. And those numbers we want to try and polish, um, just having that objective coming to the table here is the raw truth and transparency of what we're, we need to address. I love that stage one, um, and avoiding in that context, the shiny tactics syndrome. <laughs> so what is the next stage of understanding what channels are perhaps viable? What, what, what kind of gets baked into lane A looks good. Lane B, let's probably not do that one. Um, how do you guys turn that analysis into strategy? There's, there's two parts to that. There's one other stage of analysis, which is going really deep into their CRM, because you mentioned those dashboards might not be pretty. We find they quite often don't exist. Oh, that too, that too. <laughs> so you go into a business and, and you know, for, for better or for worse, they've implemented a CRM, but they don't have the dashboards. They don't have the reports. They haven't set it up so it works well for their business. So we do what we call a, a CRM health check. Um, we'll give them again recommendations about what their CRM should do so that they can actually monitor what their return on investment is going to look like. Uh, so that's they're, they're the sort of the initial recommendations and, and figuring that out. And then we can look at the data and we'll, we'll interview their team members. We'll interview some of their clients and we'll listen to the team members carefully about who has the best successes and why. We'll talk to the clients and we'll ask them why they really bought this business, what the value they're getting from it. And the answers between the two are quite often different. Um, because you know, you got the people who perceive that the client's getting X value and the client is actually enjoying Y value as well as X. Right. Um, and so when you're actually thinking about when you're going to go and get more of these people, that's where you get your details from in terms of who to focus on. And then you can look back and you can see where those clients came from. Did they come from a particular campaign that you did last year? 
did they come from a campaign you did two years ago? Is that repeatable or not? You know, uh, did they come from a partner? Is that partner still around? Are you still partners with that partner? Did they get more? Right, like bringing it back into those things. So we'll go back into that SaaS company that we talked about. They're two hundred and fifty thousand dollars revenue. They're trying to execute 17 growth strategies at the same time with a core team of five people. Now, they're all really, really smart people. They're very competent and they're very, very hardworking. But 17 growth strategies is too many for that small of a team. So what we were able to do is we were able to see their ideal customer was in this industry and is this group of people within that industry about this size of company and this average order value. Let's stop selling to everybody else but them. That's our recommendation. Okay, now how do we do that? Well, we went through and actually helped them to design and develop a partner strategy because that's where most of those clients had come from. And then we augmented that with an event strategy, which was digital at the time. And then it went back to trade shows. Uh, and that business 5X'd in one year. And then they doubled the year after. So what happens is when you get things really comfortably clear, and you minimize the amount of noise, you can really make big impacts very, very quickly. I love this. This is, I'm buzzing over here. <laughs> I, uh, for uh, our, our context, we very much have a, an approach of maximum efficiency when it comes to, to human energy, media energy, technological energy, um, and what you are kind of doing, that reduction-based approach uh, is huge. It's huge. We're so acclimated to adding something. Here's the solution. Take this pill. Oh, that pill's not working. Take this pill on top of it to fix that. Right. <laughs> so, and that's the the uh, like something I really learned in music and understanding mixing and mastering music. Ninety percent of the time, it was way more about removing and reducing and taking stuff out. Um, and the natural inclination is always to add something, do something. So I love that you have this reduction-based mentality to really focus all of the energy on what's going to 5X the company. Absolutely amazing. I love it. I love it. Are there any other caveats or considerations um, for folks to consider in this growth-based mentality? Perhaps a big pitfall or something, um, false signals, false starts. Um, if, if we're in this journey and we're starting to see that, um, how do we make that growth sustainable? That'll be the last thing I'll squeeze here from you. <laughs> um, and then we can, we can move on. I, I think there's some, something that we grew through and have really doubled down on is going straight from recommendations to implementation without designing the solution really thoroughly first. Uh, and all smaller businesses tempt, they really want to do that. They want to get going now, 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 now. And they just want to implement and build the, build the plane as they fly, right? Um, and there's something to be said for taking a period of time, a couple of weeks, and just designing what you're actually going to do before you launch it. And that's, that's a maturity level that we as a business have gone through and, and, and really owned. And that's one of the things that, you know, out there right now, there's an exploding market of fractional executives. And it's, it's fantastic because it enables founders to get really fantastic experience at a fraction of the cost. One of the problems is that lots of people who never had senior leadership experience have promoted themselves to CXO. 
and they don't have the experience to put together and communicate the strategy and defend that in the C-suite. What they have, they have marketing experience or sales experience or bookkeeping experience, and they made themselves CXO, right? And that can be challenging. And so that it's that making sure that you've got somebody who can actually put together the strategy for you, design what the solution needs to look like, including how you measure it. And then you can work out how to tweak it along the way. Our process is review, refine, repeat, review, refine, repeat. And so it's like the agile process for building software. Review, refine, repeat gives you objectivity, it gives you measures, and it gives you the opportunity to tweak it. And it, it never says this is going to be perfect first time. It says it's going to be very good because it's based upon lots of experience and having implemented lots of them. But every business requires some tweaking. And knowing that as a founder and considering it to be a well-put-together experiment to start with and continuing to invest in it is the right mindset. You can't expect everything to give you an ROI immediately overnight. Uh, and that's something that you've got to decide the strategies you want to have that are likely to have a quicker payout while investing in the ones that will have a medium and longer term payout as soon as you're able to. And so it's being aware of the timelines of these things that I think gives you the peace of mind and the patience to stick with those things. And that's actually what makes them sustainable. Trying to do too many things to get results tomorrow burns out all your budget and all your people. Uh, and you don't get back to something where your money's coming back in because you don't know where it all went. Yes. Oh my God, I am loving this. So I'm seeing, yeah, this simple three-step system, simple on the outside, difficult in practice, um, objective, just ruthless transparency to come to the table with, and then leveraging that transparency into strategy, often in focusing all of that energy and then recognizing the work does not stop there or ever, um, leaning into that never ending evolution, those iterations, especially with how quick business is evolving now. The next quarter, your your whole entire channel or strategy might be like not exists. So love seeing those three pieces. And it really gives a practical foundation um, to see, build and grow over and over and over. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your secret sauce, Dan. Okay. Awesome. So let's gonna let's jump into now the world's fastest game show and then we're gonna have a nice little prize here for you are you ready to play this or that i am all right round one this oh this is interesting a play or a stand-up comedy show play nice very nice uh the next one would you rather send a dm or a text message DM. DM. <laughs> Love it. Love it. And then this one, football game or basketball game? What type of man are you? Rule. Motor racing, please. Oh, there we go. He goes with the wild card. <laughs> see him at the racetrack, baby. Love it. Love it. Well, good news is you still beat the game. So <laughs> congratulations. Um, why don't you go ahead and share... Uh, for those of us that are curious and interested in getting involved with Mind Racer, uh, with this system, this strategy, this approach, uh, who do you help and how 
do we really get involved? Because I know you have a macro level mission that you're on um, of targeting thousands, I believe it is, thousands of CEOs and entrepreneurs and being able to help them get this built right and everything. And I think we're at the 300 mark. We've cracked over 300 now. Um, so who exactly are you targeting and how can they get involved with you? Yeah, sure. So um, MindRacer works specifically with business-to-business -business professional services and software companies that are doing between $500,000 and about $30 million in revenue most of the time. There are some exceptions, uh, but that's generally who we work with. Uh, we have the most success working with people who recognize that they're not sales or marketing leaders and they want some support in doing that because they recognize the value of having a partner who does. And you know, what we do is we've solved that fractional experience problem for a lot of those, those clients. They don't getting an under-experienced fractional who's just called themselves C-level. They're getting somebody who really knows their industry, their business model, and has had success in their in, in those before. But they're supported by people who can put in place the sales and marketing technology without having the high bill rate of the fractional and also supported by people who can do the project management and make sure that the solutions are designed well and implemented well. And so, you know, if that set of recommendations first and then a properly designed solution and then support in the short, medium and long term with implementation is what people are looking for. MindRacer is at mindracerconsulting.com and uh, we'd love to have that initial conversation. The thousand is actually my personal mission. Uh, you know, whether that's related to MindRacer or not, I just want to help a thousand CEOs. I've had a lot of luck in my career. In my 20s, I was overpromoted, VP, VP, the CEO. I had a lot of great success. Then I came out of that and I've been helping founders ever since and I love it. So whether founders pay me or not, I just want to help them get unstuck figure out that next thing that they need to do. And so if people want to reach out and just have a thousand CEOs conversation, we're nearly approaching 400 now. And I, I had nine conversations last week. Like I'm on, I'm on the way to get well ahead of that thousand by the end of 2025, which is the goal. So people can get me for that on LinkedIn. Uh, so LinkedIn uh, and my, my uh, URL is Dan Morris profile. So just search for Dan Morris Mind Racer and you'll find me and send me a DM. I'm more than happy to have those conversations either in the chat or live. Um, always happy to help. 110% recommended on that follow-up, that DM, that connection. Um, Dan has been a... I follow a lot of people on the, on this adventure and especially in the B2B space. Um, and you really, truly are on uh, unique honorable and admirable path. Um, and it shows in your business, it shows in your results, um, and it shows in a lot of the people and, and the team that you're building around you, Dan. So a Thank quick, you. quick moment of appreciation and acknowledgement for those doing it right out there. Um, and to anybody else listening, please, please do uh, follow through on that follow. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much, Dan. We're going to jump to our last question. And this is for one specific listener that might be stuck starting out or maybe just stuck taking it to that next level. What final words of advice or motivation can you share to send them into beast mode? Consider the next few weeks an experiment. 
if you commit to this being a lifetime thing, it's so overwhelming and it's so difficult to get started because there's so many things that you could do. If you're just trying to get started, set yourself up and experiment for the next few weeks. That's it. Whether it works or not, it's not going to kill you. Just get on with trying that experiment. Learn what you learn along the way. Bake that into the next experiment and just keep moving. Boom! There it is. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the B2Beast podcast. This has been Dan Morris. You're a beast.